0: Hello, I'm Kathy,
1: and I'm Gary, and this is Torah Talk.
0: Welcome to Torah Talk, the intersection of the mundane
1: and the miraculous. Here, we have bold conversations about faith, culture, and politics, and where we fit into God's plans in the 21st century. If you could partner with God,
0: would you? Hi everyone! It's so good to be back with you. You know, both of our lives have been kind of crazy lately, <laughs> that's, right, that's an understatement, <laughs> huh, Kathy? <laughs> but here we are. Ready to talk about Torah and the intersection of faith, culture, and politics, and this is one of my favorite places to be.
1: <laughs> right, even even if though it may make some uncomfortable, it's, that's it's right. A, it's, uh, that's needs right. To be
0: done. You know, we get we do get a lot of grief from fellow believers about mixing faith with culture and politics, but you know. How is that possible not to do that? You know, at least from a Hebraic perspective, because in Hebraic thinking, our faith is what we do, our faithfulness or immunah, in Hebrew, not some abstract thoughts and beliefs that we, we think and then we engage in on Sunday morning. Our faith informs everything that we say and do 24-7. So I'm mystified by the Christian thinking that we can just preach. preach. Preach the gospel and ignore the world around us as it comes crashing down on our heads. (laughs) So in the next couple of podcasts, we're going to talk about A term, uh, imposter Christianity. I'm not the one who created that term, but I want to use that term. And we're going to talk about Babylon the Great and how the church's stance on culture and politics has contributed to the demise that we're seeing in our country today. I contend that the church that either refuses to engage in the culture and the political debate or the church that succumbs to Babylon ideas of culture and politics is paving the way for destruction and judgment for both themselves and the world. Now, I know for some, this may be an uncomfortable discussion, very uncomfortable, because you've been all too willing to sit on the sidelines while society goes to hell in a handbasket. You're just holding on to a rapture ticket, thinking we'll be out of here before the final cataclysmic act, but I think that this kind of thinking is not supported by the Bible, and and we can show that. I believe that those who think this way will be sorely disappointed and very confused. So with that said, we'll take a break and see how many of you stick with us as we talk about imposter Christianity, Babylon the Great, and of course, our favorite topic, Torah.
2: Long ago, God declared his redemptive plans for the world he created. Unfortunately, most people have ignored these plans. Now, as the end draws near, believers and non-believers are being irresistibly drawn to the celebration of the Biblical feasts, which outline God's plan of redemption for mankind in the world. If you found yourself curious about the biblical feasts and you want to know how and why Christians celebrate these holidays, read Declaring the End from the Beginning, Our Past and Future Revealed in the Biblical Feasts. In this book, author Kathy Martirosian delves into the history and culture surrounding the biblical feast days of ancient Israel as well as how Yeshua, our Messiah, has fulfilled four of these holy days in the past and how he will fulfill the other three when he returns. Visit TorahTalk21.com to purchase Declaring the End from the Beginning, our past and future revealed in the biblical feasts.
0: You know, Gary a lot of christians like i was saying we they they kind of shy away from or maybe deliberately avoid talking about politics
1: yeah and that, that's really sad because uh, that does indicate that there is this disconnect uh, with our our daily lives versus our and and again, air quotes religion. It should not ever be religion. It should be. It's our life. You know, the the Hebrew word halakha it means to walk. And it's that is that is it's what, not
0: means to sit on the pew on Sunday morning. No, it doesn't mean
1: <laughs> that at all. And and I really feel that that's that you were you're right on when you made that statement. Um, because it, it is why the world is coming crashing down around us, and we can we have to wonder why. There's a principle uh in Deuteronomy chapter twelve. 28. now I know this was specifically talking to Israel and their ability to keep the commandments or not it was about blessings and curses but that principle there I think it shows us something very important. the spiritual world has rules of reality just as the natural world does. The word of bless the word um, in Hebrew for blessing is bracha okay and it derives its meaning from the Hebrew word um, Lehavrik it means to be to reroute. And the word for curse comes from the Hebrew word kalil, means empty, okay? So I think, when, in essence, what God is trying to declare here is not a warning regarding a reward and punishment, but rather he's describing the natural and the necessary outcome of either being cleaved to the divine will of God or being separated from it, right? So I think if we separate ourselves in the world... From you know being engaged in the world, we're not we're not bringing his will to that world, right? I mean, what did Yeshua teach his disciples to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy, thy will, will be, be done, done on, on earth. earth. That's right. right, as it is in heaven.
0: And how does that happen? Yes, God can uh, impose that, but he uses us. He uses his people to Amen. teach. Just his disciples, okay? Mm-hmm. Go and teach. Go and disciple. Okay. Right. Don't just sit around and wait to be raptured. Right. What, not... what
1: was the purpose of making disciples if it were not to to um, exponentially grow people like yourself? Right. Yeshua wanted people to emulate him right. and his disciples were to create duplicates of that as well. That's
0: right. And they were to um, help to usher the kingdom of God mm-hmm. in into earth. That's just, mm-hmm. you know, the kingdom is near and we, ha- we do play a part in that. Yes, we do. We absolutely play a part in that all the time. You know, when I hear people say, oh, we can't mix religion and politics, okay, or faith and politics, you know, I I look at the basic definition of politics, and, you know, if you just look it up, it says it's the activities associated with the governance of a country or other area, especially the debate among individuals or parties having or hoping to achieve power. And I think, why in the world wouldn't Christians be involved in this debate of how they want to be governed?
1: Well, you know, one reason might be an alternate definition of politics. You know, in Greek, poly means many, and ticks are a blood-sucking creatures. <laughs> that might be part of it. I don't know, but I think your definition is more accurate.
0: <laughs> that that could be the one that's stopping people, right? I, I, I think so. But you know, so if you think about politics, though, and not and not in terms of ticks. <laughs> <laughs> but you think about how we want to be governed. Why wouldn't we as Christians want to be involved in that? Uh, we don't want to live under tyranny and we don't want anybody else to live under tyranny. No. Right. You know, so it doesn't mean that we're advocating for a theocracy in our country, you know, which is what some accuse us of is we're not saying, oh, everybody has to be a Christian. And that,
1: I'm glad you brought that up because it's important to understand that the theocracy that will come to this earth will not come until the Messiah returns. That's
0: right. It's not coming under man's rule. It's not coming under man's
1: rule, but we can still emulate what Messiah taught us in his first visit uh, before that theocracy ever comes.
0: You know, let's face it, our nation and everyone in it, everyone, benefits from the individual freedoms and the moral guidelines of the judeo-christian faith it doesn't mean everybody has to be a Jew or a Christian but individual liberty to pursue one's own course is part of our faith and you know the founders knew that and said it over and over
1: yes they did and I know we're going to talk more about that mm-hmm. today but that that's that such a, a misconception that is being there's an attempt to try to change you know it's revisionist
0: history yes yes what
1: the founders really meant
0: yes you know so That brings us to our topic today. And I was prompted by a segment that I heard on Glenn Beck's program uh, when he was reading a CNN article, and this article was entitled, An Imposter Christianity is Threatening American Democracy. Ooh, okay, that's kind of interesting. What's he saying here? Now, I know that not everyone in our audience... Uh, listens or reads CNN, and you don't all, probably all listen to Glenn Beck, and that's fine. But I think that it's kind of important for us to see, to know, and understand what people are saying in the world, to know, and understand how they're thinking. And um, I think that this, as we go through this article, all of you in our audience are going to find this rather illuminating and, dare I say, Terrifying.
1: Yeah, I think terrifying is a good word, Kathy, because when this, this type of thing becomes mainstream, um, guess who becomes the enemy. Mm-hmm. I mean this is painting painting people who have faith like you and I as an enemy to America.
0: Well, and we're always the threat. Yeah, always. Yeah. It's the people of God. Yeah. Always. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, 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 that that There's nothing new about that. So if you want to read the article, I put a link on it um, on our website under a new page called Views on News, where we'll be putting up information about what's going on in the world around us and talking about it from a Torah perspective. So you can go and you can get a link to CNN. Not that I'm promoting CNN, know, but you need to read this article. Okay. Now, this has, like I said, been a topic that Glenn Beck has covered quite a bit, and in this particular podcast, we're actually going to be pulling extensively from his team's research Um, that's available on his website, and uh, as we talk about news and as we talk about history, his team has done an excellent job in researching this topic, and we can't really do any better, Gary, so I, I don't see a point. So that's why I want to just credit his team right. with a yeah. lot oh, of what really we're going to be wheel, talking right. about, yeah. you know. Um, so I will link to Glenn's information about this topic on our website, too, so that if you go to our website, it's a little easier to go to our website and find it. Um, I had to search a little ways to go in in Glenn's site, but I'll just link directly to it, okay, on our website. So people can go there and link, and I encourage you to go read it all in detail. And then, of course, uh, when we're going to pull from the Bible, as we talk about the biblical view and the biblical lens through which we should understand and interpret both this article and all the news going on in the world. So. Let's just start with the article. Just, just, just jump in here, um, and of course it'll start with a reference to January sixth. Okay, the insurrection marked the first time many Americans realized the U.S. is facing a burgeoning white Christian nationalist movement. This movement uses Christian language to cloak sexism and hostility to black people and non-white immigrants in its quest to create a white christian america well kathy can i stop you right there
1: (laughs) i mean listen i have i have i pastored for 14 years i have associated with pastors from all over this state i have been in many other states i've been attended many other churches i've listened i've been part of national prayer meetings and listened to pastors from from every four corners of this country and i have never ever heard anything that even remotely sounded like what that just said
0: what how, to me, that's an out, bold-faced, out-and-out out lie. lie. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, revisionism or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. It's a lie. It's just a lie. Yeah. And you're right. All of my experience with pastors and in churches over the last 25 years right. working in ministry, never, never, never heard any of that. And, yet, and I would be so bold to say that I think that most people sitting in the pews of a church would agree with us right uh, totally and, and, and all of them would have up until a few years ago when all of this uh, kind of uh, re- revisionism started sure. okay just, you know I, I think everybody uh, would have agreed with I don't
1: that. know anybody who wouldn't walk out on a pastor's right it said, said something like that
0: absolutely and so
1: you know the uninformed reader reads this and thinks this is for real no. I just it's not it's not even remotely it's true. not even remotely true
0: you know and I I, I look at this statement And I think, wow, it's so loaded. And I think about the power of words, okay, and how the enemy hijacks and changes the meaning of words or applies them incorrectly, starting with the word insurrection. We all Mm. know that when that word was applied here, uh, we know what its purpose was. We know that this was not an insurrection by any definition at all in in American history or history around the world. We know that to be true, but that word is very, very powerful. Powerful.
1: And so many people believe it. That's
0: right. It's just, it's, it's words are powerful and the enemy knows the power of words. God created the universe with words and literally Satan thinks he can destroy God's creation with the perversion of words. Mm-hmm. The, and, and the Bible talks over and over about the power of our words, mm-hmm. okay? It is a very real thing.
1: So you think the enemy knows that?
0: I think the enemy yeah, knows yeah. that, yeah. absolutely. You know, you talk about this, I, this idea of words, I well, right off the bat, but they have falsely labeled what we've known in our faith as Christianity, and they've renamed it, just renamed it right out of the blue to White Christian Nationalism. And, and, and that's a powerful loaded name Mm -hmm. right there, you know, and, and, um, and you look at the CNN article, once again, go read it, go read Mm -hmm. it, because you won't believe it unless you read it.
1: No, you won't. Well, you know what they're trying to do here, because there's always been these comparisons to, you know, fascism, Nazi Germany. And I think this is just their attempt to to paint let's and let's be honest we know this directly at Donald Trump and and anybody who may have voted for right. him, so they they want to label him as Hitler, and then everybody else as Nazis that follow him and trying to rec- recreate an Aryan race or something. And, and as soon as with. you
0: do that, as soon as you label someone as Hitler or a group of people as Nazis, you have totally shut down any conversation. Yes, okay, exactly. because you have then the, that 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 other side has no moral high ground, no ground to stand on right. morally. So we
1: open our mouth and we're part of that or that group. And right. That, well, I'm that can't that that cannot prevent us from telling the truth that, exactly. We can't be afraid of being labeled that I'm not afraid of being labeled it I hate the label yeah I'm not afraid of being ha- uh, labeled it in order to try to defend this truth exactly. like uh, like a Dietrich Bonhoeffer would have absolutely
0: absolutely you know so you're looking at the article and you're thinking okay so maybe CNN and this this writer is talking about some kind of fringe group okay that's kind of calling themselves Christian mm. there's always been those kind of fringy groups okay right. but it's like nope you have enough another line from the article white christian nationalist beliefs have infiltrated the religious mainstream so thoroughly that virtually any conservative pastor tries to challenge its ideology risks their career mm-hmm. so what so what we're saying is sexism and racism are mainstream in the church they don't even dance around it or anything. Once They're again, just right out.
1: Once again, bold-faced lie. lie. I have never, yes. ever, in all my years in, in, in involved in Christianity, have ever heard these types of things no. spoken from a No,
0: You know, I, I once again, if you look at the use of words, and even in this sentence, they say, if any conservative pastor tries to challenge it, and I'm looking at the term conservative, you know, the term conservative is historically associated with those who want to conserve a biblical view of the world, but... but... here we have a non-conservative ideology masquerading as conservatism. It's so twisted. It gets really confusing. Yeah. You know, so so the words are used to twist and confuse people. And it works really well. Yeah.
1: And who's the author of Confusion? Absolutely. That's exactly what we're saying.
0: That's right. So what this article is saying is that Christianity is racist and sexist. And even if you're a non-white Christian, and there are very many non-white Christians, you're also racist and sexist because your faith is racist and sexist. And why is our faith racist and sexist? Gary, That the, the basic answer is because we don't agree with the non-biblical theologies that are being presented to us from the world, a theology of for instance social justice versus mm, individual mm. justice and each of us is responsible for our own behaviors okay we don't believe with in reproductive freedom there these power of words okay <laughs> yeah. power of words it used to be called
1: perversion yeah,
0: exactly we don't believe in gender transitioning and of course we don't agree with the secular sacrament of what they are calling marriage equality okay
1: man these these words these that they words come up with in order to just Confuse matters, things that are, should be just black and white, and and you're right. They they control they control the language, the narrative, the the confusion, and it's simply no. We are standing on Torah principles, God's instruction to us. It has nothing to do with, with racism,
0: sexism, exactly. any any of that. Once again, they're not trying to cancel us, Gary. Cancel God. They're canceling right. God. That's, that's, that's exactly that's always the target we've mm-hmm. said that over and over yes, again
1: true. Yes.
0: you know um, this article quotes uh, a couple of people that they claim are experts and I encourage people the first thing I did when I looked even at the article is I went and started looking up who these people were who mm-hmm. the writer was who are the people they quote they, they pulled in a few different surveys and I was like who are these people and groups that are doing these surveys and uh, so it's important to know your sources and there's a, a Someone referenced in this, is quoted six times, this um, person, yeah. uh, a professor in the history of gender studies at Calvin University, Christian, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, Kristen Cobes-Dumez. And um, this person, Kristen Cobes-Dumez, wrote a New York Times bestseller course, New York Times. <laughs> of course. And it's called, uh, ta-da, Jesus and John Wayne. How White Evangelicals Corrupted a Faith and Fractured a Nation. So so
1: it's the Christians who fractured the nation and not the divisive political, um, you know, uh, identity politics that have been implemented. No, it's
0: Christians. It's Jesus. (laughs)
1: That that, that pesky old Jesus. That's right.
0: Exactly. Mm. You know, so. I went, you know, I read everything. So I even went and bought this book to see if it's as radical as the title suggested. And it it actually is. is. And Uh, what's interesting, Gary, is that there's a chapter I was attracted to, and it was called uh, Why We Want to Kill You. And I was like, oh, that's interesting because that's the title of a book of someone that you and I both know, mm -hmm. Waleed Shorbat, who's a, a former Muslim trained. Terrorist who converted, uh, became a believer, Mm -hmm. okay, was raised and trained to hate Israel and now loves Israel, was raised and trained against the God of Israel and now loves the God of Israel and teaches about that. And you and I uh, know him. Mm -hmm. You booked him at the church. Mm -hmm. Um, I I booked him in different places. So there's an entire chapter about you and me (laughs) and everybody who booked people like Walid. I feel honored. Exactly. I, I read that. I was like, "Oh, she's talking about us." And um, so it was interesting. Um, first of all, uh, uh, g- quickly, once she 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 tries to debunk any claims that Walid and some of these people were actually trained terrorists, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, Gary. I spent hours and hours with Waleed, you You know, I spent Mm -hmm. hours and hours and his story is fascinating. And, um, he, he saw the hand of God as he looked back later Mm -hmm. in his attempts to, to hurt and maim and destroy, uh, God stopped him in some of that. And he saw the hand of God in that. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it wasn't that he wasn't trained and brought up and trained specifically to do those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. He was. and. And that's what he was talking about, exactly. and um, and so, and, and what's interesting to me is she she criticizes him, uh, saying always oh, just patting his pockets, you know, is making an easy buck there was nothing easy about that for him no, doing that, that kind of speaking out was dangerous risk for of him his own life, at of risk course. of his own life. It was stressful and it was not what he wanted to do at all. And he confessed that to me many times, but he felt like that's where God had him at that point in his life. So it this was not an easy buck to be made for him and so any, uh, any talk about about that is, once again, an outright lie, a myth or a fable created right. in this writer's head. I know this particular person. I, think, I know it to I be think, a lie. Kathy,
1: I think that gives you the duty. It gives you and I the duty to tell the truth. Because someone can write a book like this not knowing Walid and, and just share lies. And the vast majority of the country have not had the experiences to sit down and talk with Walid like yes. you have. And they will They'd just spend believe spend
0: hours it. and hours and days sure, and days. Sure. Over years. Yeah.
1: I mean, I have met, uh, as you said, I've booked Waleed and spent time talking with him, not as much as you. But um, Mm -hmm. another individual um, I met was Tassar Abusada, who Mm -hmm. had the same very similar experience. Who, um, who had a miraculous conversion, you know, and understanding and loved Israel after, after beco- having been trained to, to hate her. Um, we've had Avi Lipkin for years and years mm-hmm. and years talking about Islam. Um, and, and, and,
0: and Gary, this author says that the, all of these people were teaching their audiences to hate Muslims.
1: I, you know, never. Ever, ever ever. have I heard one of them. Once again, bold-faced lies. Not once have I ever heard any of the individuals I just mentioned say anything about going out and killing Muslims or hating Muslims, but they simply were... Um, highlighting or or revealing the ideologies behind the the hadith and the and the the Quran, uh, the inconsistencies, the uh, as Avi likes to say, uh, the psychosis that it caused yes. among those who want to kill. Um, and you know who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, right? Not only the, enemy. Uh, the, the in Islam. The, those who subscribe to it uh, faithfully, uh, if there weren't Jews and Christians to kill, they what? They turn on each other. They're right. killing each other, mm-hmm. and this is what. The word says about the descendants of of Ishmael Ishmael. and his hand will be against every other man's hand and and every man against his. You know, this was that's
0: biblical, folks. That's in the Bible.
1: Many, you know, thousands of years ago that this would be the result. So
0: pointing it out. Yes. Is not a hateful thing to do. And 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 telling his lived experience usually that's, you know, promoted, but now the lived experience of these people's, you know, is being criticized and saying that it's a lie. Well, these were these people's lived experiences. so and 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 so they know. And so, um, the other thing that was said in that chapter, um, and, and once the whole purpose of this chapter is that this white Christian nationalism, uh, that, that the people, um, hate everyone who's what not white. Okay. All right. So immigrants, the, Anybody who's not this white Christian, okay. But another thing that the uh, the right the writer of the book accused um, uh, these white Christian nationalists of is believing that um, that Muslims and Christians um, they they think they erroneously think that they don't worship the same God. Gary, we don't worship the same God. There's
1: there's absolutely no way. I mean, Islam, once again, Islam was a a creation in the mind of Muhammad in the 7th century AD. And it has nothing, even though they claim that it goes back to the Abrahamic faiths, it it was not created for thousands of years later. Right. uh, You know, so again, uh, for it to be the same God, God would have to be, um, it's schizophrenic.
0: Absolutely. Because
1: I, you know, I did, I did this early on many years ago. I think it was right after nine eleven. I did a study on, I had, you know, have a Quran, have, have the Bible and I laid them side by side and I pull passages and I, I made this point just using logic. If both these books claim to be the word of God and they do, mm-hmm. then they should, they should be consistent. If there's any contradiction in these two books, then one has to be true, one has to be be false at least, right? Right, right, right. And I pulled out multiple contradictions, uh, you know, down the line of how many contradictions are found in the Quran versus the the scriptures that we know uh, that we call the Bible. So, and then then you look at the evidence— of them having come, uh, God's people uh, being a target of their of their destruction, I think would be the biggest evidence that they are not following the The God God of Israel, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In fact, they claim to be following the God of Abraham, Isaac. and And, Okay.
0: So why not just admit it? You're following a different God, right? Other people in the world follow different gods, but for some reason, the world wants to say that we're all following the same God. Okay. That the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims are, and we absolutely are not. And that has caused huge Problems within the church. I have been to women's Bible studies where they pray to Allah. Right. And I, uh, my mouth drops open. I was like, that is not even the name of our God. That is not the characteristics of our God. This is how
1: clever the enemy of our souls is, because Allah now has become synonymous with God in Arabic, but it wasn't always the case. No. You know, that's why I was so upset when Wycliffe Bible study, Bible um, translators used Allah in their Arabic Bible. It should, that's where... Uh, by it's where,
0: Yehovah, if you're going to talk about exactly, the God. Place. Of Israel, it is somebody different. Just accept that it's somebody different. Fine, you want to worship that somebody different? Yep. Go for Choose it. Choose
1: this day who you, you you're will going serve. to
0: serve. That's right. Choose.
1: But again, because the narrative has been controlled, we hear. The, yeah, I even hear Christians saying it that the center of three monotheistic faiths. Yes, and they talk about Christianity, Judaism, and and uh, Islam. Mm-hmm. That is not. That, that that gives the the idea that we're all worshiping the same God when, in fact, we know that not to be true.
0: That is a huge, huge problem within the church. And it gets us to where we are with all of these, um, uh, that, that that cold, cold coexist idea right. um, that we're all worshiping the same person, uh, the same God. And it... it That's a big problem. And God has always identified himself singularly and separately from all other gods. That's right. You know, and uh, and provided a code of conduct that is different than all other, you know, quote unquote gods. Right. It's a very different thing, but if we throw it all and mesh it all together, uh, we are causing problems for ourselves within the body of believers.
1: Absolutely, this comes back to your favorite passage. You know, my people are destroyed of lack of knowledge, knowledge because the, the there is absolute. This is the one of the most important topics we could ever uh, talk about and expose. I'm glad we have this platform to do it. Yes. and it is so easy to prove out. If, if people would just look at the history and the, his, uh, his, the, the fact where Islam was born versus where, you know, God approaches Abraham you know, 4,000 years, years ago. Are, yes. uh, so much of this can be proven out, and we don't have time to cover it all right, today. Right. But maybe, again,
0: another maybe another podcast, maybe we go maybe through Maybe I'll this. do
1: some of those passages that are contradictory, yeah, oh, and we'll yes. talk about that type of thing, because this is huge yes. for, for our audience To our audience, you need to understand this. You need to educate yourself. Don't take our word for it. That's right.
0: That's right. So I think we do talk about this in another time. But I just brought it up because I'm reading this book that's related to this article. It
1: shows, though, that they're they're propagating lies.
0: Exactly. So, you know, so we get back to the article itself, and it says that there were some key beliefs associated with this white Christian nationalism, and one of them was the the myth that uh, the United States was founded as a Christian nation. I'm like... Yeah. Okay, the myth that it was founded as a Christian nation. So, of course, they go to someone who would know what they're talking about. You say, okay, you'll we'll go to a, to a, to a, 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 a theologian or a, a historian maybe, or maybe a pastor. That would be an expert. No, CNN goes to a sociologist, and we know how what experts they are on faith, oh, right? Of Absolutely, they get the, the Judeo-Christian faith, right? That's who we go to, okay, as our expert. I love you. So so, so this guy Um, This Philip Gorski, he says, erasing the line separating piety and politics is a key characteristic of white Christian nationalism. Many want to reduce or or erase the separation of church and state. Say those who study the movement, I'm not sure who's all studying this movement, but there's that phrase, separation of church and Uh, and state. It's probably the most misunderstood statements in the history of our nation, right? It is, absolutely. So according to some folks, this... This statement means that no one under any circumstance can engage in or express any aspect of their faith when they are on government uh, property or engaged in government business or receiving government monies. This affects our schools, universities, libraries, military institutions, even nursing homes, senior living facilities. It affected me when I worked at the domestic violence program in the Salvation Army, a Christian organization that received government monies, and we were restricted on the things that we could say uh, to people in that particular program. Yeah. You know, because they were re- they were talking about this separation of church and state. So things like that have happened, and because of this misunderstanding standing with people thinking that it means that normal individuals can't express their faith, we get decisions made like students are prohibited from carrying Bibles into a class Mm -hmm. or uh, a state employee was forbidden to park in a parking lot because of a Christian bumper sticker. I mean, come on, give me a break. You know, college students forbidden to have Bible studies in their dorm rooms, kids uh, forbidden to pray over their lunches. And it's so easy to disprove
1: that, that, you you know, this stand is so perverted
0: and 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 it, it, because what we're looking at here is where the con- what the constitution says right yeah. the constitution congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof you know the people who wrote the constitution our founders they were not concerned about individuals influencing the government with their faith it was the exact opposite the
1: exact opposite and then that is so easy to prove and simply by reading the the amendment itself. Yes. I'm so glad that you just did that because yes. if if everybody realized how simple, simple it was and they hear separation of church and state, they think it's in the constitution right. as, as you know we right. all know that it was it, it never it, appeared. It would there. never
0: appeared there but it's it make no law respecting the establishment of religion meaning that congress would not create a state religion like right. the church of England, right? right. And then make everybody uh, you know worship there. Mm-hmm. Okay? Or, oh, this is so simple, Gary, prohibiting the free exercise thereof. How difficult is that to understand? Come That's on. It. That's it. It's so, so
1: not, simple. Not to, not to, not to, we're not to prohibit, the government is not to prohibit the free exercise thereof. Right. Period.
0: Period. So simple. And yet we get this this phrase, separation of church and straight state. We've talked about it before. Thomas Jefferson wrote mm-hmm. it in his letter to the Danbury Baptist in 1802, where he was assuring them that they had nothing to fear. The government would not meddle with their religious expression, whether it occurred privately or publicly. So he used that phrase there in a way, when you read it, he was trying to tell them, hey, government's not going to mess right. with you. You can do." Do what you want to do The exact opposite, opposite. Of how
1: it's been interpreted
0: Absolutely I, I
1: wish we every. You know In fact maybe We should challenge Everybody that's ever Had heard somebody Talk about separation of Church and state Just simply read The First Amendment again And say there it is There's your argument And stop getting caught up In these, these straw man arguments That are created yes. And it's like no the, the, it's, it's, It doesn't mean That, that you know, we're restricted It means that's the government right. Is restricted and,
0: and Jefferson didn't think It meant that either I mean he has a quote that says, in the matter of religions, I have considered that it's, that it's, religion's free exercise is placed by the Constitution independent of the powers of the federal government. Okay? So Jefferson didn't think that. No, of course He quoted not. many times, he said things many times where he clearly identified what he meant by the separation of church and state. And yes, you can completely ignore that, which is what they do, what they and, do. and replace it and lie about it. And then we get down the road, you know, 200 plus years, and we get into the mess that we're in, and that no one seems to understand. My people are destroyed by lack of knowledge. Exactly, (laughs)
1: and it doesn't just apply to Torah. That's right. We need a little U.S. history lesson. Oh my
0: goodness, so so true. So anyway, this uh, this uh, person that they were uh, talking to, this sociologist expert right on Mm -hmm. religion, uh, said one of the most popular beliefs among white Christian nationalists is that the U.S. was founded as a Christian nation. The founding fathers were all orthodox evangelical Christians, and God has chosen the U.S. for special for a special role in history. It is a half truth, a mythological version of American history. Oh, gosh! You know these people are so tiresome, okay
1: <laughs> They wear you out right
0: they? they they wear you out, okay mm-hmm. So okay, here's the myth that we're founded as a Christian nation, or let's let's start here. The founding fathers were all evangelical Christians, okay, so Gary. Were any of our nation's founders Christians? So, Kathy, I'm so glad you
2: asked.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let me name a few who indicated that they were. John Adams, Samuel Adams, Josiah Bartlett, Gunning Mm. Bedford, Charles Carroll, Alexander Hamilton, John Hancock, John Hart, Patrick Henry, James Madison, Benjamin Rush, Roger Sherman, John Witherspoon. Shall we go on? I mean... (laughs) You know, I mean, let's look look at some of the things that they said, and that's that's the proof. Because you know, if we look at their documents, look at their letters, and and you could see whether they are quote quote, deists or if they were right. actually Christians. Right. Sa- Samuel Adams said, "I rely upon the merits of Jesus Christ for a pardon of all my
0: sins." There's nothing deist about that. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing I mean, atheist about nothing, that.
1: <laughs> absolutely not. Alexander Hamilton, I have tender reliance on the mercy of the Almighty. Through the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean again Pretty clear they're so clear, uh-huh. so clear. Patrick Henry, being a Christian is a character which I a character which I prize far above all this world. Has or can boast?
0: Wow! Was he a Christian, Gary? Do you think? I, I be, think it's a I'm, little I'm confusing. Not sure.
1: That was yeah. That uh, was you know. Come on, confusing. Patrick Henry. Don't mince words. Get clearer, to the point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> ben, one more. Benjamin Rush said the gospel of Jesus Christ prescribes the the wisest rules for just conduct in every situation of life. That even love supports it. our first premise. That's right. life.
0: Yes, every yes. situation for life, and he recognized once again. Not everybody. He does not say everybody has to be a Christian. Right. Right. None of them. But did. none of them They're said that. They're talking about that. their own personal faith. That's right. Faith. That's right. Okay, but it provides the wisest rule. For conduct, okay, mm-hmm. uh, you know you don't have to accept, you don't have to be that, okay. Right. But it's really good to live in a country that that does subscribe to that because you benefit from it. You basically. do
1: benefit from it. Are the freedoms that everyone out there, whether you're a believer or not, or have benefited from all your lives because our founding fathers understood this.
0: Exactly. You know there are more of them that uh, that had these very specific quotes. If you want to see more of these quotes, once again. Follow our link over to Glenn Beck's website and you'll just see lists and lists of them. Okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't have time to go through it all. So what about the myth that we're founded as a Christian nation? Did these white Christian nationalists make that up? So once again, I'm going to turn to the, the research of, of Glenn Beck's team, um, and we look at some early um, charters and mm. founding documents. 1606, the Virginian Charter declared that the colony was started for the for the propagating of the Christian religion to such people as yet live in ignorance of the true knowledge and worship of God.
1: Wow. Hmm.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah. That's kind of clear. Once again, <laughs> The Mayfowl Compact, 1620, declared that their endeavor was undertaken, this is quote, for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith.
1: Once again, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're not, there's nothing mysterious about these statements.
0: Multiple colonial uh, charters affirmed the aim of the early colonies to advance Christianity. The United Colonies of New England, for instance, 1643, was uh, their goal was to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and enjoy the liberties of the gospel in purity with peace. And I love this one because it not only acknowledges the reason for founding the colonies, okay, to advance the gospel, but recognizes that liberties and freedom and the peace inherent in the yes. gospel of Christ. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. So you're like, okay, so it looks like we've got founders who claim to be Christian. It looks at in founding charters and so forth that their goal was to found this nation as a Christian nation. And, and, I'll, and I'll say a Judeo-Christian nation because Absolutely. they actually absolutely pull, uh, well, in fact, so much of, of how we govern ourselves is pulled back from specifically from Torah.
1: Absolutely. There would be, and, and I, and I wish it was a more pure form today, Mm -hmm. but there would be no Christianity without the Torah, without Judaism.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So then you're like, okay, um, what about other parts of our government did you know that the Supreme Court has delivered a unanimous ruling declaring of America that this is a Christian nation three separate times? Three separate times they delivered a ruling that says we're a Christian nation mm. 1844, 1892, and 1931. Yeah,
1: there okay. it is. Okay, so exactly. there we
0: have the Supreme Court. What about the presidents? Well, Gary, do we have any presidents who well, think we're let's a Christian see, nation? Kathy.
1: <laughs> Numerous presidents have affirmed America as a Christian nation. Once again, we go back to John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, John Quincy Adams, John Tyler, John Tyler, Zachary Taylor, James Buchanan, Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, William McKinley, FDR, Dwight Eisenhower, and Lyndon Johnson. Oh and let's not forget Harry Truman. Mm-hmm. This, he said, this is a Christian nation. In, in this great country of ours has been demonstrated the fundamental unity of Christianity and democracy. That's to Harry Truman. And let's not forget Harry Truman in his knowledge of the scripture when Israel was reborn in 1948 and they, he, he was told or asked by a reporter how does it feel to have helped? Uh, you know Israel being reborn. He said, "Helped." He says, "I'm Cyrus. I'm Cyrus." He understood. <laughs> he understood, knew. He knew understood the prophecy in, in in Isaiah about Cyrus and the Babylonian uh, return. And now he's seeing this as the second return. So these guys understood the word of God.
0: Now, what about Congress, Gary? Do you think Congress or Congress has ever—do they understand that we're well, a Christian let's, nation?
1: Let's see, Kathy. <laughs> Congress in 1852 and 53, when a, uh, when a group wanted to—this is because there was a group that wanted to take um, religion out of the public sphere. Congress responded with this statement. Had the people during the revolution had a suspicion of any attempt to war against Christianity, that revolution would have been strangled in its cradle. At the time of the adoption of the Constitution and the amendment, the universal sentiment was that Christian, Christianity would be encouraged, not any—not Christianity would be encouraged, and not any one sect of that. Right. In this age, there can be no substitute for Christianity that in its general principles it is the great conservative element on which we must rely for the purity and and permanence of free institutions. Wow. wow! I mean, again,
0: could you imagine that coming out of our Congress today? Oh God, no. help us! No, <laughs> <You> know, they, <laughs> but it did come out of our. It Congress. It did come
1: out of our Congress, and they recognized the need for for the moral clarity yes. that Congress needs in order to function and to preserve this nation.
0: Absolutely, they they acknowledge here that our freedoms are protected by the principles of the Christian Judeo Christian faith that's built in to that faith. They right. recognize that and how important that was. So
1: is it any wonder that people want to erase our faith? No, right? cancel it out. Right. Cancel
0: it out. You know, I I laugh because you know people are like a Christian nation, Christian nation, Christian nation. So you think, okay, so what are the Jews thinking about this? And Gary, you and I uh, had a, a lovely experience uh, uh, teaching with our with America's Rabbi uh, Daniel Lapin. Rabbi right. Daniel yes. Lapin. Okay, Beautiful love man. love that guy. And we have all read throughout time, uh, throughout history of Jewish people talking about how important it was that this country is a Christian nation, but I think Rabbi Lappin said it best when he said, I understand that I live in a Christian nation, albeit one where I can follow my faith as long as it doesn't conflict with the nation's principles. The same option is open to all Americans and will be available only as long as this nation's Christian roots are acknowledged and honored. Without a vibrant and vital Christianity, America is doomed, and without America, the West is doomed, which is why I, an Orthodox Jewish rabbi devoted to Jewish survival, the Torah, and Israel, am so terrified of American Christianity caving in. God help Jews if America ever becomes a post-Christian society. Just think of Europe.
1: That is so wise. And, you know, he made beautiful points here. Number one, that all Americans... Benefit. They don't have to believe the same way, but all Americans benefit. And we know that there has been, you know, uh, um, bigotry in all countries. But because America's evangelical world recognizes uh, these truths, um, Jews have, have prospered here more than any place else, I would imagine, other than Israel. Yeah, yes. And I know what he's saying when he's talking about just look at Europe. Oh. I mean, you know, in our work in the Aliyah. I mean, surprisingly, um, one year, I think it was in 2018, France, of all places, led the way with Jewish people escaping anti-Semitism. Oh, I and going remember to, that, going to Israel. Going to Israel because of this post-Christian uh, dynamic. Um, Anti-Semitism has grown incredibly throughout Europe. And here you have this so-called enlightened Democratic nation of France, and 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 Jewish people were afraid to walk down the street with the. That's, right. That's
0: right. That's yeah. right. Because it was a post-Christian nation. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, the the CNN article uh, lists the. Um, when it's trying, when the author was trying to prove that we're not, we weren't founded as a Christian nation, they, they list the 1797 Treaty of Tripoli as evidence that okay. the U.S. was founded as secular, and we don't have time right now in this podcast to go through it, and debunk this claim. Uh, uh, suffice it to say, they they read one sentence out of that and and leave out all of the context and all of the understanding, and um, I would encourage our audience once again go to the link on our website that brings us to to Glenn Beck's team and the work that they've done to debunk that one particular statement. It's just like with the Bible, you can pick in whatever you believe, you can find a line, a passage to support it. it. But yeah, out of context, you know, it doesn't matter, but people do it all the time.
1: I know we don't have time to get into this, but just a side note, years ago, I remember when, uh, when Je- Thomas Jefferson's Quran was in the news, I think it was because it was found in the library and it was a big, big deal about yeah. Thomas Jefferson's had a Quran, Sat yeah. a Quran and see, he was, a, he was a deist, he was enlightened in mm. this and that and the other thing. And you know, a quick study of the history showed the reason why he, he was studying the enemy, and it's right here. That's exactly yeah. know your enemy. That's your exactly enemy.
0: and that's right, because of this uh, what was going on with the pirate, the Barbary pirates. Yeah, exactly. This exactly. whole This whole thing that's is related the to the... Exactly, yeah. exactly. On the shores so if of Tripoli. On the shores of <laughs> Tripoli. Exactly. This was the Treaty of Tripoli, so if you want to know any more about All that, right. please follow that link on yeah, our educate site. Yourself. Educate yourself. The article says, goes on and says, the ideas of the white Christian nationals are also so insidious because as they may sound like expressions of Christian piety or harmless references to U.S. history. But white Christian nationalists interpret these ideas in ways that are potentially violent and heretical. Of course, the reference to violence is they go back to the January 6th. Once again, the only person who died violently mm-hmm. that day Wasn't was shot an by then. the Capitol Hill police, That's okay? Right. Everybody else died in, but from different mad uh, ways, okay? Heart attacks and stuff stuff like that. But there was not violence in that sense. So but I'm not saying uh, that everything that those people did that day was OK. We've never said that that's, that's OK. Right. right. But it is not what is portrayed to be in the media in any way, shape and or form. And that's
1: important, Kathy. We've never said that that was OK. There was some crazy, stupid things going on there that day. But the media loves to say where five people died, I think is the number yeah. now. Whereas not one, one of those people died because of, you know, violence, like right. guns. There were, there were no, no weapons. There were they, no that, weapons. The, They've already have. proven that. Right.
0: Exactly. You know, so um, I, I also find this like, use of the word her, uh, heretical. You know, heretical is an interesting word. And just very briefly, if you go back to the Greek, it actually, uh, it means the Latin and the Greek, it means it's just a school of thought. hmm but, okay, in our day, mm-hmm. it's become a much, has a much greater negative connotation. You're going against orthodoxy, against the uh, what the whole establishment believes. You're a heretic, so it's very, very negative. But in its original sense, that's not at all. Right. It was just a school of thought, a taking or choosing for oneself. <laughs> I was like... That was such a good thing. and Actually, then we turned yeah, thinking in. for yourself thinking for yeah. yourself. Oh, boy, that's that's bad. But you know, we've been called we've been called heretics many times, okay, because of our belief in this Hebraic roots of the faith right. and so forth.
1: And now we're becoming we're called called heretics because we don't believe two plus two equals five I,
0: exactly. You know, so that word heretical is always used as a weapon now, yeah. absolutely. Um, so, So, see, he said this movement is not only anti democratic, it contradicts the life and teachings of Jesus, some clergy scholars and historians say. Okay, so basically, the author is saying that Christianity, that this white Christian nationalism, which he has equated to Christianity, okay, he's already said that's what mainstream Mm -hmm. Christianity is, contradicts the life and teachings of Jesus. So, Gary, here's something that you and I can chew on. And in fact, in some aspects, we can agree with this guy, right? You know? Yeah,
1: that's that's the scary part because they, they latch on to the inconsistencies right. in, in Christianity. Compared, and that's one of the reasons we started this podcast going back to the Torah. That's right. And so they do latch on that.
0: They do. They find our weaknesses. They exploit them. A good enemy does do that. An enemy does that. That's good. That's smart. And I hear, I kind of think the enemy has found the Achilles heel of Christianity. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, modern day Christianity often does contradict the life and teachings of Jesus. Okay. And the disciples and of Paul. The institutionalized church has added so much to God's word and subtracted so much from it that Yeshua himself may not recognize it. And when we severed our faith from its Hebraic roots, it allowed the church to kind of create its own thing, to borrow a little here, a little there from the pagans back in the day, a little here, a little there from the secularists in our day. And once the church started down this road, there's nothing to stop it. So for for instance, if it's okay to eat unclean animals that God calls an abomination, How can we argue against a homosexual behavior that God also calls an abomination? Same word, right? Yeah, and you've yeah. talked about that.
1: I talked about this because I actually had a, an atheist confront me with that, mm-hmm. and I was able to say, and for, for the first time he was confronted with somebody who could say this, I was saying, no, I don't eat the un, right. unclean. Right, because he I, was I,
0: saying, well, they're both the same word, abomination. Same. Yes. Yeah. And and you so, d-
1: but every other Christian that he confronted was, was confounded by the fact that, oh, I'm being inconsistent. I call that's one an abomination, yet I eat my, my BLT. That's you right. Know?
0: Exactly. Yeah. You know, if we create our own holy days and say that they're from God, then why can't Gay Pride Month be part of the church calendar? If we can change God's justice system, why can't we change it to include social justice? Have we not created the proverbial slippery slope?
1: Yes, we have. And it's because we've been inconsistent. I don't have time to read this, this forward uh, that I did for this wonderful book but in this book,
0: <laughs> Gary's holding my book right here. So, so you guys know <laughs> this book,
1: declaring the end from the beginning, that some good friend of mine wrote, and I highly recommend. I wrote the forward to it, and I and made the comparison to of what's going on in Christianity as being uh, an inconsistent witness. Mm. I said, you know, when a lawyer wants to prove the the uh, the uh, um, uh, credibility of a witness. They, they ask them to tell their story over and over and over again. And, 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 they, it, look and they look for inconsistencies. they look for inconsistencies. Cops do this, investigators yes. do this, lawyers do this. And when you have inconsistencies, it destroys the credibility of the witness. And I made the point that one of the witnesses has... Changed its story.
0: That's right, and that's
1: Christianity, and and uh, that's why we have this push, this desire to teach everyone that we need to go back to the Torah.
0: That's right. Yes, the the, the power of two witnesses, and if one of them doesn't quite have it right, Correct. that that's a weakness. Okay, in mm-hmm. the testimony, and it's, our
1: enemy has picked up on
0: this. Exactly. So when we as Christians say that we have a God who changes from the Old Testament to the New Testament, what is there to keep him from changing again? Why can't he change the uh, the way he? feels about murdering innocent children. We have churches today that are saying it's uh, abortion is okay. Ugh. All right. Why can't he create uh say 20 genders are okay. Instead of two, I had two in the old Testament, but the old Testament isn't valid anymore. You know? So now we've got 20, 40, 80, hundred. Right. I don't know how many okay. we've got now. You
1: see how all this ties into once you've destroyed that witness of the, of the Torah.
0: Absolutely. Yes. So there's nothing to stop. Any of these changes, you know, Deuteronomy 13 warns Israel about running after false gods. And it says, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and he gives you a sign or a wonder and the sign or wonder comes to pass. Of which he spoke saying, let us go after other gods, which you have not known and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams for the Lord, your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord, your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. It goes on to say, what do you do with this? This false prophet? You stone him. Okay, but yeah, you know, so but but what, what under a theocracy,
1: they, uh, that is something that, that would happen, right? Happen, yeah.
0: Exactly. So, so what is it being what's being uh, shown here? Okay, what Moses was saying here is that once again, it's talking about that false witness. If if someone comes, he's telling Israel, if someone comes and teaches you to Behave in a way that is against what Moses has taught you, what has come down from God, the hand of God, written Mm -hmm. by the hand of God. If someone comes along and tells you, nah, not so much that doesn't matter anymore that's, right. that's a false prophet mm. and and the Jewish people who really know the word are are told they run from that okay that's, right. that's that actually hurts our witnesses as we try to witness about Yeshua if we tell him that our Yeshua their Messiah is the one who does eat a B- BLT and worship on Sunday instead of Saturday that is a, a false witness Absolutely. they run from that
1: and, and well they should as well they've they should've been told to- Exactly.
0: So we have to get our act together. We have to get our act straight. So the false prophet is one who teaches what's contrary to Moses, and Christianity has done that to some degree. And so we have opened ourselves up. Yes. And made ourselves, I think, made ourselves a target. Yeah. For the enemy. You know,
1: Christian Christians talk about being warriors and putting on the whole armor of God, and yet they have let their guard down. Uh, maybe their rear guard, maybe it's just more open than that. Maybe their shields are down, but they, we've opened the door for this type of behavior.
0: You know, the modern church has also failed by presenting only one side of God or Jesus. The God is love sign side. They failed to teach that God is just. That is causing us a huge problem right now. Mm-hmm. Is God is love, 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 love. And without... God is just, he has a, com- uh, a a code of conduct, and he expects you uh, and will hold you to that in the end, one way or the other. If we have just, as Christianity, since Yeshua, we've taught that God is love side, and that is going to come back to bite us too.
1: Yeah. already I'm, has. I, I agree. I agree. And I think this is, um, this is where, uh, the, you know, the idea of two different Yeshua's, uh, Comes from, I think,
0: about the Ben David and the Ben Yosef, it, Yeshua Ben David. Yeah, the mm-hmm. the
1: idea of, of of two different Messiahs when in fact they were one. And I just wanted to share, mm-hmm. you know, again to our audience, or if you're listening and you've never heard these types of things, this is an important place to look when it comes to this confusion over whether Yeshua was all about love or whether he was about justice and the fact that he is both. Um, When he was in in Nazareth, his hometown, uh, the Bible in Luke chapter 4 speaks of him doing as was his custom, Mm. going to the synagogue on the Sabbath. These are important truths. And it says the spirit of he goes and he picks up the Torah scroll and he reads the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He reads from Isaiah. Because, the, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recover the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closes the scroll and sits down. Yeah. Now that that is I love this. I know where you're going. Yeah, that <laughs> is fascinating because he stopped in mid sentence when we look at the scroll of Isaiah and, and look at the very next line. Of course there's no commas in the in the Hebrew, but the very next line is after proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord is end the day of vengeance of our God. And we have to remember, again, very important, vengeance vengeance is of God. God, That's God right. and vengeance is mine, mm-hmm. says God, says the Lord. But he mentions his in his first visit all of those attributes, and he stops because in his first visit that's what he was all about that's right and he and he set that example, but in his coming visit his his return will be about vengeance and and, and it says to console those who mourn in Zion, he's going mm. to defend Israel, and he's going to bring justice to the world and so I it's think always it, about it, israel it, it, yeah, we need to <laughs> understand this, and Yeshua, of course, understood it. But this is where we get the concept of Yeshua ben Yosef and Yeshua ben David, the the suffering servant versus the warrior, and he is one and the same.
0: And in and 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 the Jewish people had a problem with that the first time because they were looking for the warrior, right? And so they did not see the suffering servant who was also in their scripture. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if we as a believing people group ignore or uh, fail to see. Uh, the totality of who God is and who our Messiah is, then... That causes us big, big problems, and it, and it did cause problems there because they always, even the even the disciples were always like, okay, like when are when are we going into battle, Jesus? Okay, right. what? And right. he's like, no, 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 and that's, happen <laughs> that's not happening stop, this it's not even, time,
1: and not even for you to know the time. Yeah, exactly. Which only the Father knows the time. That,
0: exactly. But you let's know.
1: not gloss over the fact that as his was his custom to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Sabbath that's
0: right. Yes. You know, but he, he it was not what was going to happen the first time. Right. But, but, but Gary, it is what's going to happen when he returns. Yeah. Okay. And, and we he be on is the, that right side conquering that. king mm-hmm. when he returns. And those, like you said, if we're not on the right side of that, we're going to be sorry. But because as a church, we haven't taught that part of it. Um, then someone in this article is talking about how these white Christian nationalists follow this conquering warrior. Mm-hmm. All right. Like, Oh, that's a bad thing. They follow a conquering warrior, a, a, a violent conquering warrior. Yeah. Okay. So they reject the coming king. They reject the coming king because we have failed to teach both of those things. So all of those aspects of God are both are true. Both are
1: true. And he comes back and he teaches the Torah from Jerusalem. That's right.
0: So you can't leave out any of that because then it causes us the problems that we are having right now. Ignoring any part of God's word is idolatry. That Mm -hmm. means we're putting what we think above what God says, you know. And lastly, I want to just address something. We talked about this before. Another flaw that this writer sees in white Christian nationalism slash Christianity, the idolizing of a man, putting our trust in a person instead of God. You know, when this happens on any side, Of the debate, Mm -hmm. we've got a big problem. Mm -hmm. We cannot do that, and I think that there have been people who have been guilty of that. Absolutely,
1: I have no doubt Uh, of that.
0: And and so, if we ever put a person on a pedestal that this is our savior person, that that is not good. Um, I I know um, at uh, CPAC uh, two years ago there was in in that somewhere in that whole mix, there was a gold statue of Donald Trump. And of course, the left sees that and is like, look what they're doing. They're making an idol of Donald Trump. Well, yeah, Yeah. you know, I, 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 I agree with that. You know, we cannot do that at all. So we've got Places we all need to work. Absolutely,
1: no. We should never see any man on this on this planet as as Messiah no, uh, until no. he returns. Exactly. And I know that there was that that issue, you know, with with Obama. You know, there was uh-huh. a Messiah complex there, and I see it still today with with Trump worship. Yeah, yes. And uh, he he may be able to help turn the economy around, but right. he is not the, uh, the savior of your soul. Absolutely.
0: You know. So in conclusion. You know, we do not believe that white Christian nationalism is the problem that this writer says that it is, okay? But we do believe that Christianity has a problem. And um, because it has not taught the entire Word of God, it's kind of uh, allowed the enemy to expose our Achilles' heel. It is allowed, and it set us up as a target so to speak. And Mm -hmm. that's what we're going to talk about in the next podcast. I want to talk about the signs we're already seeing that will culminate in the persecution of God's true followers during the time of tribulation that's to come. Now, while some of this persecution will come from Babylon, the state, the government, Mm -hmm. obviously, much of it's going to come from Babylon, the false prophet. Religion, just like it did in Yeshua's day, Yeshua was called, uh, you know, in a trial. He was called by the false leaders, Jewish leaders, at leadership at the time. Okay, executed by Rome, but it was because of the false leadership at mm-hmm. the time, and so that is a pattern that we can see in the future. Yes, and we believe that this false religion will will. Most likely claim to be a Judea be a Judeo Christian faith. Okay, it's already seen. We're seeing it in this article. They're saying that we have a that that this white Christian nationalism is a false version, a perversion of true Christianity. And they're claiming true Christianity. Everybody's claiming Christianity. Okay, Um, so that this false religion is already on the rise, Gary. We've Mm -hmm. seen it. Okay, it denies the truth of God's word. And we have got to stay vigilant so that we don't succumb to it. Okay, because the enemy wants to confuse us and he wants us to be trapped in Babylon. But the prophet John tells us to come out of Babylon before God destroys it. And in our next episode, we'll talk about this false religions and about Babylon the great. And until next time, remember what the psalmist said. Those who love your Torah have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Shalom, everyone.
2: Thank you for listening. Please join us next time on Torah Talk.